Well, last month we had our goal anointing service. Um, if you were here, you would have bought some goals for the year um, and written them down, got them prayed over and... Um, and it just helps you to focus, right? Like this year, what do you want to uh, achieve? What do you want to see God do in your life? What do you want at the end of the year to look back and say, okay, um, these were the goals that I had and I've, um, and I've seen some of them come to pass. Sometimes at the end of the year, we look back and go, not all of them did come to pass. Oh, that's not okay. I thought they were God goal and I can't really tick them all off. Um, but that's okay. You roll them over into the next year or um, you realize sometimes we have a great um, perception that if we brought our goals, we've had them prayed for, that they'll just happen, right? God will just like move things around and we'll just achieve those goals. But no, we need to take our steps. Uh, we need to do things to it. We need to have a plan, a strategy and um, take steps towards those goals. I um, uh, over a year ago, you might know that we travelled around Europe, and uh, we went to Italy. We started in Rome, and we did all the touristy things, and uh, went to the Colosseum. We were staying just a couple blocks away from the Pantheon. Um, you know, we just did all the. Um, gelato and, you know, all the Rome things. It was time for us to do the Vatican, do the official guided tour of the Vatican. I don't know if you know that the Vatican is the smallest country in the world. It's actually a country within Rome, a walled um, country, and it's like less than half a kilometre square, and it has like, um, what is it, 300, um, 800 people live at the Vatican, um, also known as the Holy See, not like Sea with the ocean, C-S-E-E. And here's another fun fact for you. My um, my mum's cousin was the Australian ambassador for the Holy See and Ireland. They put them together, of course, even though they're on other continents, but um, he was for about five years. So um, we did the, uh, the guided tour of the Vatican Museum, uh, the Sistine Chapelers. Give me a wave. Anyone done that before? Very, very cool. Very exciting. And the St. Peter's Basilica, which is the church, and it's actually the biggest church in the world. It's very impressive. We got there, we did the guided tour, we heard the audio, we learned heaps about it. And then we discovered that we could walk to the top of the basilica. There's a dome and then there's a higher part of the basilica that you could actually walk to. And um, we weren't really prepared for this because we didn't know that that was an option. And um, so we sort of like ummed and ahed for a little while. Uh, we didn't have, it was only, you, could, you had to pay of course, to walk to the top of it. Um, if you paid a little um, more, you could take the elevator two-thirds of the way up. But we really didn't have much cash on us because we're in another country and you're sort of like trying to use um, cards and everything. So we could only afford to do the um, actual walk um, to the top. So um, we went to the top of the dome, which within the church, you can actually see it within it. I've got a photo um, to show you just to sort of put it into perspective. It's 320 steps. I wrote 500, but anyway, that wasn't actually true. I was trying to like brag on, on some photo. that I've So that's right at the top of the dome, which Michele uh, Michelangelo actually designed this dome. It's, uh, it's beautiful. It's stunning. And you're actually looking down um, onto the church. It's huge. Can you see the people? Like, they're just tiny. <laughs> um, so that was a great perspective. I've got another photo um, which shows how far up it is so that you walk on the outside of it and you get up to there, and that's proof 
okay, that we're like two-thirds of the way up. And then we have to walk 230 more steps. So it's a total of 550. That's where I got that from. Um, Up to the top, up to the top. Can you see? Uh, of that right to the top of that but um, what we didn't know and it's in winter so we're all like you know rugged up in our um, jackets and our scarves and and um, and then we go on the inside and we start walking up and there's this like it starts really nicely you know how some of these walks do with a really wide path and then it gets a little steeper and then it starts like the steps start increasing in their inclination and then who's ever done this Who's ever Asia? It actually gets so narrow and goes on an angle, and you actually have to walk around the um, the middle of the dome like this, and you start to get a bit claustrophobic and just like I don't know that I, I actually wasn't feeling very well. I just had a chest infection. We came from Israel, and so I was starting to think I don't know that I can do this anymore. Like I want to be up the top, but I don't necessarily want to go through the process of getting there. Um, But basically, um, you know, you just slow down a little bit, but there's people behind you, right? So you can't like stop (laughs) because it's so tiny. You just have to keep going. But basically just had to put one step after another and then eventually get to the top of the basilica. And the view from the top is stunning. I mean, you can see all over Rome. That's all. This part here is the Vatican City. That's where the Pope's residence is out there. And it's just like, you know, where when you've climbed a mountain, you've climbed something high and you just sort of like, ah, stop for a second and look at it and just go, how good was that? That was totally worth it. So glad that we did it. Not sure that our kids agreed um, because they were really hungry. It was lunchtime and we um, didn't have, you know, money to buy food then because we'd use it all for uh, climbing up to the top of this. But we thought it was worthwhile and we thought it was uh, an amazing experience. And um, sometimes that, I mean, this is like a condensed story of that experience, but sometimes it's what life can look like, right? Where it's just like, ah, you want to be there, but you know that there's quite a path to take to get there and it's quite an uphill battle and sometimes it's sort of quite, you know, you can walk on that steady incline and that feels all right, but sometimes it gets a bit tighter, sometimes quite uncomfortable, sometimes you're just like, you know, you're running out of breath and you you can't, you know, you don't feel like you're going to make it, but you can. You can make it to get where God wants to take you with God's help and uh, if you just keep putting one step after another. It's spectacular when you get there. We could have stayed where we were at the bottom. We would have missed out on that whole experience. Christian life really is all about taking the next step or in some cases a giant leap. But we'll just focus on the next step today. <laughs> Last week, um, as Shorty mentioned, we had our Vision Sunday and uh um, if who was here last week or you watched it online or you listened to it on podcast, we shared about the vision of our church. And uh, welcome to all of our live streamers and our YouTubers this morning. It's great to have you with us. And uh, we pray that you'll be blessed out of this message. Um, our vision, and we've got it on the screen up there, our vision of our church, just to remind ourselves, is to build a church where Jesus is glorified and lives are transformed. That's what we're all about. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we keep um, our foot to the plow. That's why we keep taking next steps. That's why we keep pushing in. That's why we fast and pray to uh, see transformation happen. 
We're a soul-winning, disciple-making, supernatural church, and that's why we pray for healing. Earlier on, we pray that God will move supernaturally, things that aren't possible in the natural they're not too difficult for God, and he can, he can shift something in a moment. I believe that, and I believe people this morning are touched by that healing power of God. So today, we're going to focus on transformation. Uh, as I said, we're disciple-making church. If you can put that slide up about a disciple-making church, because transformation happens at that moment of salvation as you accept Jesus into your life, and it continues right through your life. It doesn't stop at that moment of salvation. Can I hear an amen this morning? Our church is a disciple-making church. We prioritize taking people. What? We prioritize people taking their next steps as followers of Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, There's a saying that goes, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves us just the way we are, and we can come as we are, and he'll accept us as we are, but he loves us far too much to leave us that way. That's good news. Oh, for some more than others. Hey? (laughs) Hey? We're all a work in progress. For some, that's encouraging. That's like, that's really good because I don't want to stay like this. I want to change. I want to be different. I'm not done yet. For others, it's frustrating. Aren't I there yet? Haven't I arrived? Haven't I stopped growing? I'm like, come on. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. No one has arrived. No one is at that place place of perfection or completion. We are all a work in progress. I want to read a scripture this morning. It's out of 2 Corinthians 3. And it's talking about Moses back in the olden, olden days. The old way, the old way, the old covenant where the laws were etched in stone. The old way, it says, which brings condemnation And Moses had to go into the presence of God and wear a veil and come out, keep the veil on. Verse 13, I'll start from it, says, We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. That's why people, and you're praying that they will see, but they can't see. Pray that they'll understand or believe in Christ. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Goes on to say in verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I love that. All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's that process of transformation. That's that process of disciple-making. We're being made more and more like Jesus. Another version says, transforms us into his likeness in an ever greater degree of glory. And the message version says, our lives are gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Oh, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. I want to become brighter and more beautiful. (laughs) 
<laughs> We're all works in progress, aren't, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're a work in progress? Who needs more patience? Who needs more self-control? Who needs more peace? Who needs more wisdom? Who needs more love? Who needs more self-control? Teresa needs all of it. She's putting up her hand for everything. <laughs> Great self-awareness. No, you're awesome, Teresa. We love you. We're pretty good at judging ourselves, actually, in nitpicking and finding faults with ourselves. The good news is we can change. And it's God who helps us to grow more like Jesus. Transformation is not a change brought about by simply doing good or improving our behavior. It's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. The Holy Spirit can transform our hearts and our lives. God continues an ongoing work to mold us more like the image of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. I shudder to think if I never grew as a person. When I was married, I was 21 years old. And if you're 21 here today, you probably think you're quite mature. You probably think you're, you're a pretty good person. You've got it together. I know I did. At 21, being married, being in this new relationship where you're living with somebody, you're um, just doing life together, and you haven't really learned very much about conflict resolution. <laughs> Until you get married, right? At no matter what age, actually. Uh, and, and we used to have this cycle of um, conflict resolution. It started with me being unhappy with something that John had done and uh, me bringing it to his attention, probably um, quite accusingly, actually. And uh, so he would get defensive and um, get quite annoyed and, um, and I would feel that annoyance. So I would get upset and I would cry and I would then withdraw and be silent. And um, then he'd be like, you know, oh, whatever I need to do to, you know, make you happy again and just, you know, apologize and put it back together. And, you know, we'd sort of move on without necessarily getting understanding of what it was that caused this all in the first place. And it was a uh, immature way of conflict resolution that I had to grow in, and we both did actually, but if I had have stayed the same, I would still be doing that here 22 years later. I don't want to be the same person that I was at 21 years old, at 28 years old, at 35 years old. I want to keep changing. I want to keep growing. If I, I've got three children, if I kept treating them the way that I treated them when they were toddlers and I didn't grow in my role as a parent, then I would still be giving thick shakes to them after they had gastro um, because they said they felt all right and we're on a road trip. And, you know, that's like... Not, not a good thing to do because who knows that you don't give? Who knows that you don't give? I didn't know. Well, I should have known, but he convinced me as like a three-year-old that he felt all right and just been spewing up everywhere. But it's okay because can you get me a thick shake from Macca's on the road trip? Yeah, sure. Okay, if that's going to make you feel better. It's not cool. Okay, I've changed. I've grown and we're all grateful for that, especially my kids. <laughs> uh, Generally, the, the, when you have positive changes in yourself, it equals positive changes in everything around you. The positive changes that impact on you, they have an impact on your relationships, they have an impact on your marriage relationship, they have an impact on your parenting. Uh, the less judgmental, critical we are on ourselves, the less judgmental, critical we are on other people. Have you ever noticed that? Let's not try the, that's just the way I was made line either, because that's not cool. That's a bit of a cop out, because 
Who knows that God has a great plan and a purpose for every single life in this place. The Bible tells that that you have a plan and a purpose for good and not for evil. Do you believe that today? Everyone has a seed of greatness in them. Jeremiah 1 says, before I formed you, I knew you. Psalm 139 says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. Here's the thing. You need to do something. You need to take a proactive step. You need to do something that's tangible to actually grow. There's concrete steps that you can do. Even in the Bible, doing something symbolically uh, to break out of the place where you've always been. Uh, Naaman is a man in the Bible. He had leprosy. He was sick. He was ostracized. He, um, he needed God to come and he was told, go to the River Jordan and wash seven times. And it just seemed too simple. He was quite annoyed that that's, you know, can't you just like, you know, God just pray and move and I'm changed or do something a little bit more difficult. But that was the thing that healed him from leprosy as he went and he washed in that river. He took a step and he walked out of the place that he'd always been and he got freedom from leprosy, freedom from the stigma of all of that. Today, as I'm speaking, I want you to allow God to speak into your life. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you, prompt you, We're asking that question, what is Jesus asking you to do? Remember, we're a work in progress. Each one of us here is a work in progress. So what is your next step? We have our next step sessions um, that we run here in our church. It's a growth track. What is it all about? Running consecutive um, weeks of the month. Week one is welcome to church. It's all about our story. It's about our vision. It's about our values. Week two is live your best life, empowering you for the journey, discovering how you can find your fit in a small group. Session three is discovering your purpose. And I know last week uh, we had 60 people attend our um, session two, uh, discover your purpose, which was just out of our vision for the church into uh, John's message, everyone matters. Everyone in this church matters. We need you to build that church to see that vision fulfilled. And um, it's all about discovering your personality, your giftings. It's like a lab session where you do surveys, you get results, and it's awesome. So many people are just so excited to find out new things that they didn't know was there before. We're always changing, right? So new gifts come to the fore. And uh, session four is join the dream team. You're serving others by using God's given gifts to you. So it's not all about you. Okay. It's not all about you. Yeah, I know. I know it's about others and how you can use your gifts to serve others. But uh, if you have not done the next step sessions, next week being the first Sunday of the month is where session one will start. So you can start on that growth track and you'll discover so much, not just about this church, but about who you are, how you can best fit, how you can best serve, how you can best help others. And that's doing the next step is something practical that you can do. Of course, serving is something practical. So many more people today will attend Next Step sessions straight after this service and into the next service about discovering, joining the dream team and discovering more about how you can best do that. It's time to reactivate for some of you. It's time to reactivate. Maybe you've been taken out for a season. Maybe you've been injured. You're on the sidelines. Maybe it's time to step back onto the playing field. Dean Rush was here a couple of weeks ago. He said, it's a season of activation for our church. Activate, fan into flame those gifts that you've been given. Stir them up. Step out and do that. 
Another way, and these are practical things that you can do, is forgiveness. Oh, not that one. No. See, next steps, it's not exclusive to church life. It's about you as a person. It's about you growing. It's personal. It's to help you in life. It's to help you navigate relationships, to help you work better, to be a nicer person. The Bible talks about forgiveness, just forgiving over and over and over again, 70 times 7. It's like an unlimited. Oh, the Lord's pray, we pray, forgive me, Lord, as I forgive others. So if you want forgiveness from God, which we all do, we're all sinners, don't pretend that you're not. If we want forgiveness from God, we actually have to forgive others. And there's some things that you don't feel very good about forgiving about. Not every step is going to be comfortable. Remember that um, walking up the Vatican, up that dome where it got very narrow, very uncomfortable. It wasn't good to take another step, but it's not always going to be comfortable to reach where God wants to take you. There's a, a, a quote that says, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Like it's, it's, it's toxic for you to keep unforgiveness in your heart and in your mind. You don't always have to feel like it to forgive somebody. I know when I was younger, and I've changed, isn't that good? Um, I thought someone had to apologise to you if you, if you were going to forgive them. I thought they verbally had to uh, say sorry and feel it and it be genuine, authentic. But I've discovered that's not true. Some people will never say sorry. Some people can't say sorry. Some people, well, they're long gone anyway. And it's not going to happen. But that's not enough of a reason for you to not forgive them. Forgive yourself. You can hold things, disappointment and hurt and just shame. You need to forgive yourself. It's a step that you take in your Christian journey of transformation. And it will bring freedom to you. It brings a release. It brings lightness. The feelings eventually come. Sometimes you need to forgive over and over and over again and just keep praying that God would help you. Maybe you need to be the one to apologize. Maybe that's a next step that you need to take to bring restoration in a relationship. It's getting very quiet in here. (laughs) I know the Holy Spirit's here. I know that he's speaking to some people. Okay, another next step that you can take is to pray daily. Maybe you're not a regular prayer. Maybe you're not a consistent person. As James 5.16, it says, When a believing person prays, great things happen. And if we're just consistent in our growth as a Christian, we need prayer. We need to be connecting to God every day. We need to be talking to him. We need to be listening like any other relationship. Maybe it's reading your Bible every day, starting a plan, setting a reminder in your device, read your Bible right now. Maybe it's doing Bible college, growing. I know we've just started this last week. 47 people uh, started doing Bible college this year. Um, It's not too late. There's a, a term two. There's a term three, a term four. So don't just think, oh, I've missed it. I can't do it anymore. You can still do it next term. Maybe it's tithing consistently, like Beck was talking about today, doing something something consistently and dedicated in that, becoming a tither, not just a one-off or when it suits you. Maybe attending a small group is your next step. 
Maybe it's going to a small group and being open and vulnerable, oh my gosh. Maybe it's not just going and attending and say, yes, I'm part of a small group, but doing life together is not just turning up. Doing life together is sharing with people. It's, it's sharing your innermost thought. It's, it's creating intimacy in you doing that. I was talking to a lady in the last week, and she said, my prayer life with God, what, what I'm believing for, it, it has been such a private thing. It was always between me and God. And I didn't want to share that with my small group. I just, that was me. That was part of my personality. But she was challenged when she was believing for miracles and wanted to see breakthrough to start sharing about it with her small group, asking them to pray. And wouldn't you know it, within six months, a major miracle that she was believing for was released into her family's life. And I believe it was because she opened up, allowed people to come in and was vulnerable and created intimacy and allowed God to move in that. I can relate. I I was, I grew up in a private world. I kept my cards close to my chest. John used to ask me, how's your walk with God? It was just like, excuse me? How dare you? Why would I share that with you? That's between me and God. Uh, I had to grow in my sharing and my vulnerability into my in, in my intimacy. And now, of course, I share stuff with him and he loves it. And I share every detail about my whole day and every story and every emotion that I felt. And he's just like so thankful that uh, <laughs> I open up. And also he brings a strength to that. He brings like a reality check. When I'm having a little whinge, I'm going, this person texts me and look what they've said and look at the tone behind it. And and he's like, that's not what they said. That's not what they meant. And he brings like um, truth to it as well. It's like, really? You reckon? Oh, okay. I'll let it go. I won't. You know, it's just good for me. God is faithful. That which he started, he'll be faithful to complete it in you. Maybe it's stepping up in leading. Maybe it's running a small group, running a small group alone. For me, I'd always um, had the support of my husband and we'd um, run small groups together, but it was up to me to start growing as a leader, to step out and run a small group on my own. Well, that was a huge learning curve for me. I didn't have the backup of my husband, my spiritual leader, um, the one who came and lifted it and carried it and had the word. I had to develop that in myself and that was a huge growth curve for me. I grew in confidence. And I, I just could see how that was helping other people. See, it's not just for us that we're taking our next step. It's to help other people. Galatians 5.13, it says, You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, and I love freedom. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's what God's called us to do. Other next steps are being planted in church. Planted means being committed to church. This is my church home. I'm going to, keep, I'm going to come to this church regularly, even if not for myself, for other people, so that I be a blessing. And, of course, if you're planted, if you're committed, God's promise is that your life will flourish, that you will see great things happen. Maybe your next step is to reconnect with Jesus. Maybe you've been walking away from him and in a moment I'm going to give an opportunity for you to reconnect with God because there's so much in a Christian life that God has of transformation, of disciple making, and maybe you've walked away from that 
and you want to reconnect with him today, or maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to have that personal relationship with him. And in a moment, I'm going to offer you that opportunity because I know there's so much life in that. There's so much freedom in that. There's so much hope in that and purpose in a life with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's your next step. Of course, we have our course-based groups and we've started a marriage course in the last couple of weeks. We've started a freedom course, but these are always available um, each term we're running. Uh, we've got a money course. You know, these are three areas of our life that often we hit a bit of a wall, whether it's freedom, marriage or money. It's often the things that cause the most stress in people's lives. And so we're wanting to help you in that. We want to offer you, if you want to grow in your marriage, if you see we need to take our next step in our marriage relationship, then you can email marriage at lc3.com and just say, when's the next course? I want to be part of it. Uh, can you help me? Or same with freedom. Uh, the course is running right now, but there are one-on-ones that you can do with a person and, and walk that journey of freedom and pray together. If God's prompting that in you today, I want you to take your next step. I want you to write an email to uh, freedom at lc3.com and just do it while the Holy Spirit's prompting you rather than later on go, no, actually, I think I'm all right. I think I'll get through it without uh, help. But you know what? If God's prompting that in you, uh, just listen to it and run with it and go with it. And uh, of course, the um, the money at lc3.com. If you need help with your finances, then do a marriage, uh, do a money course, and uh, learn from people and from courses that's going to help you. Be deliberate, be intentional, be bold, and cooperate with God. Oh, can I ask our worship team to come up right now as we uh, just come to a close and. I'd like for us to take a moment to um, just hear from God and just for you personally, because this is about every single person in this room. What is the step that you need to take, whether in your personal life, whether in your leadership life, in your family, in your marriage, in your money world, in your walk with Jesus? Can we all close our eyes here this morning and just ask God to illuminate for you, what is the next step in your transformation journey? Allow God to speak to you. It's just a whisper. Sometimes it's a little prompt. Maybe one word, one point stood out to you this morning. That's usually God. You think, is that, is that really him? If it's coming to you right now in this moment where we're just being still and quiet and allowing him to speak, then it probably is God. The Holy Spirit just comes sometimes as a soft whisper and speaks. And there's something each one of us can do in our journey of transformation. Just be in agreement with God this morning. There's something that he wants you to tangibly do, that you're just being obedient, saying, yes, God, I will. If you're hearing from God this morning and you think, yeah, that's me, there's a next step that I need to take, would you just raise your hand so I can just see where God's speaking? If you're hearing from him every 
prompt of the Holy Spirit, there's something that you need to do, something that you need to step out in. Just raise your hand all across this place. Hands are going up. Yes. Don't resist it. Don't think, oh, what about this? What about that? No, don't don't try and reason with God. Just be willing. Awesome. I encourage you to step out. Take that next step. Do what God's asking you to do. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus, that you come. Lord, that you give us courage to take that next step on this transformation journey, God. That you give us boldness. Lord, that you show the way, God. You light it up for us, God. You direct our steps. Lord, every person here, pray. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. You're not finished with us yet. You have a plan and a purpose. Not stay the way that we are, Jesus, but to grow in you. Be transformed. Thank you, Lord.